Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a transdenominational podcast. All are welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. Hello, my name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained licensed minister, director of the Oblates of Perpetual Light, intuitive healer, Kabbalist, and life coach. I firmly believe that the divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we will explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to encourage, educate, inspire, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Shalom, everyone. Peace be unto each and every one of you. How are you all doing? I know it's been really rough for so many of you, and please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. It is my deepest hope and sincerest prayer that you all, regardless of what is going on in your lives, feel, and I do mean feel, the light of Adonai. Hashem, God, the Divine, uh, the Great Mother, the All that is. Again, that which is beyond all labels, that which is formless but yet form in your lives, especially in the deepest and darkest of times. Are you new to the show? Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you're new, I don't know how you found us, but I so much appreciate it. Thank you for being here. This is my deepest, open, sincere prayer that you find everything that you're searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks and love to each and every one of you for being a longtime follower, supporter, and lover of the show. It is because of you that this show is here. So today we're going to be learning about the Jewish faith, and we're also going to be learning a lot about prayer in I know, I know, I know. Uh, okay, I know there's, I hear, uh, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Somebody's, somebody's saying something. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Stop asking questions. I don't care. I don't care. Do I have to say it more? I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> and I'm sure if you weren't saying that mentally or physically and mentally, that some of you are thinking it that, uh, would that be mentally, um, you know, because how I keep banging the pots and pans about prayer and I always will. And I mean, to me, you can never say too much or share too much or teach too much about prayer. And as we're going to see from today's article, which is called The Chrysalis Yad and Ba Midbar, which is from an amazing website called TorahofAwakening.com. And yes, there will be a link to this article as well as to that amazing website in the show description. And be sure to check them out because the website is so full of so much amazing information. It, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not, as you're going to see today from this amazing article that everything, everything we're going to cover today applies to your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. Better yet, it also applies to your life, what your faith should be your life. But I know some of you 
still have that, um, you know, line between the two. So there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter is what they call uh, gematria or gematria, however you want to pronounce it, meaning that each one has great power and great meaning. It's not just a letter or a symbol. It is far deeper than that because they strongly believe that um, the divine, Adonai, Hashem, the all that is, the great mother, universe, God, again, whatever you want to label that, which is beyond labels, created each and every one of these letters. And so there is power in each and every one. So Yod, Y-O-D, is for this symbol or number 10. Also, it is the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, Bamidbar is the 34th weekly Torah reading in the annual Jewish cycle. So those of you who aren't Jewish, say those of you who are Roman Catholic, or those of you who are um, Anglican, those of you who are, I'm sure, those of you who belong to a faith that has a cycle of um, liturgical readings that you do every year, you know, same week, same uh, holy day, it's this reading from whether it be the Torah, uh, the Bible, uh, whatever the, you know, um, whatever your Quran, that's what I was trying to fumble to get to. Quran, again, or whatever your holy book is that you follow. So this uh, set of teachings today, they're called the Chrysalis, Chrysalis, Yad and Ba Midbar. So it begins with the story of the garage. Excuse me, I'm just all messed up. The garbage truck. Yeah, there's a difference between a garage and a garbage truck. One morning as I lay in bed around 6.30 a.m., I heard a rumbling sound from deep within whatever dream I was having. That sound, it means something, something important. What is that sound? The garbage truck. I had forgotten to put out the garbage the night before, and the can was pretty full. I leapt out of bed, slid into some pants, darted downstairs, and out the front door. I looked and saw that the garbage truck had already passed my house and was halfway down the street. I grabbed the can and ran after him, rolling it behind me. When I caught up, I started to politely ask him if he would take it. But before even one word came from my lips, he grabbed it from me violently, almost knocking me over, and barked something like, gimme it, I think. Wow, he had certainly had his coffee already, maybe a little too much, but I was grateful that he had taken it all. That was maybe my first experience of getting out of bed, according to how traditional Jewish teaching says we should get out of bed. The urgency of the eternal. The codes of Jewish law are somewhat paradoxical about getting up in the morning. One, On one hand, they say that one should leap out of bed. No laziness. Not a moment should be wasted. There is much to do. Get up with the strength of a lion and jump into the day. And here's a reading. It says, it is imperative for a person to be strong as a lion. Immediately upon awakening, you should rise with alacrity. Alacrity. A-L-A-C-R-I-T-Y. 
for the service of the blessed creator. Before you are overwhelmed by your Yetzahara with very excuses not to arise and be outsmarted and seduced in the winter. How can you rise now so early in the morning when the weather is so cold? Or in the summer, it will argue, how can you rise from your bed while you are still not satisfied with enough sleep or other similar claims? So the Yetzirah, if you haven't figured that out, is, is your conscious or a little voice in your head that's telling you these things. And I'm sure, you know, regardless of our faith, we can all relate to not getting or feeling like we're not getting enough sleep and just would like to hit that snooze or just call in or call off to work and just stay home and sleep for days, if not weeks, if not months. Hibernation is uh, is a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> the article continues. On the other hand, before you get up, you should take a moment to receive the gift of your life, chanting Mode, moda, ani, lefneka. I give thanks before you. Then, should you leap into your day? No. You should ritually wash your hands with a kavana, with intention to purify your heart so that you can serve with love in all your actions. And this is something, if you're not uh, of the Jewish faith, this is something that's very beautiful. And I'm going to begin, hopefully sometime soon, uh, incorporating this into my uh, everyday life is when you rise um, in the Jewish faith, um, they have this like two handled. Maybe I'll use it for an icon for the this episode. It's it's a it's a two handled, um, not pot I should say, but a cup. It's bigger than a cup. It's a vessel um, that you fill with water and then you wash your hand one after the other, and that's why it's got two handles, one on each side. And you say a prayer as you wash your hands. And what it is, it's, it's a way of purification um, because um, they believe that your soul travels while you are sleeping. And as we all know, our dreams are most of the time not the best. And whether they are terrifying, whether they are naughty, whether they are us doing bad things or even us doing great or good things, they feel it's very important for you to wash, pray, and purify um, yourself as you start your day. And, and it is, it's absolutely beautiful. There's um, um, YouTube videos on this. And I'll be sure to put a link to one in the show description so you guys can check it out. And feel free to adopt this into your day into your life into your faith again you don't have to be jewish to do it so it continues okay so now should you leap into your day no first there are many blessings to be chanted many prayers to pray so which is it should you leap out of bed and get to work or take your time to connect with your inner depths but that's the point if you spend all your time in meditation, the bliss of being reveals itself within your own awareness, but the world remains untouched. On the other hand, if your life is focused solely on the external, then you become lost in the dramas disconnected from your inner source, and the world suffers for it. But connect with the eternal in order to bring it into the temporal that's the alchemy. So that's the balance, is to have a balance between the two, 
to be able to get some prayer work done and focus and connect with the divine when you wake and to not be too long-winded with it, to get up and get things done and focused and make a difference in the world. So the Parshat Midbar says, from the age of 20 years up, all who go out into the army in Israel, you shall count them by their legions, you and Aaron. In its plain meaning, this is an instruction to take a census of those quality, excuse me, qualitied to fight in battle. But counting soldiers is also a metaphor for our external lives. Each day, we should arouse ourselves like soldiers to do battle with our inner inertia and make every moment count. It is imperative for a person to be strong as a lion. And this, folks, is one of the biggest things I love about the Jewish faith is that they see the Bible not for what it literally means word for word, but what its deciphered inner hidden meaning is. So if we would have just read that, and it would have said, you know, take a census of Israel so you know how many soldiers there are. And you're like, okay, they're taking a census to see how, how many of you have read that passage in the Bible. You know, um, you know, how many soldiers are we going to have? God says, go out and count uh, and, and, and come back and tell me how many troops you're going to have or how, you'll, how many you'll have if we need them. That's not what it truly means. What it truly means is something inside you or you as he says, to be a soldier. It's a metaphor. It's allegory for our external lives because we have to do battle every waking moment, every conscious moment, and even subconscious, even when we're sleeping. How many of you have to battle in your dreams? Bless you. So we must be prepared just as any soldier would. I mean, those of you who are Christian know of the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. Same thing here. This is exactly what the same thing it means. It's making sure that you are prepared and strong as a lion. My apologies for interrupting the show, but I have a very important question or questions for you. What does the show mean to you? Has this show helped or benefited you, a loved one, a friend in any way? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, we are having a fundraiser for the show that goes now until Friday, July the 7th, and it is through PayPal. So many people have contacted me saying that they're, they don't quite understand the Cash App and how to do that. So this time it's through PayPal, and it is very, very easy. Most of us already have accounts on PayPal, if not several accounts. So if you are so inclined in... You're like me. You can't wait for the next episode. And honestly, I'm like that. <laughs> you can't wait for the next episode. And again, if this show has helped you, benefited you, your family, your loved ones, your friends, in any way, shape, or form, and you have the means, please consider making an offering to our fundraiser. It can be any amount. Even a dollar will help. My family spent over $1,000, well over $1,000 last year 
on things to help improve the quality of the show. And if you go back and listen to any, pick any episode between season one and three, compared to episode you're listening to now, you can definitely hear considerable difference and better in the quality. So again, any and all donations that are made to our fundraiser will go to help improve and support the show. So much time and work. God, no, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but a lot of time and work goes into each and every show. And we want to do our level best, more than our level best. We want to do whatever the divine wants us to do, the creator, to get this show as in a best shape and condition that it can be in and to reach as many people as possible. And I need your help for that. So again, if you can help, please feel free to make an offering at paypal.com slash pools slash C slash eight U N X Y O U S B R. And a link to this will be in the show description. So be sure to check that out. If you have any problems locating the show descriptions, just email me at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com and I will send you a direct link to the PayPal. Again, any and all contributions are beyond appreciated. And I thank you all infinitely in advance. But then a bit later, it gives the other half of the equation. The Levites, however, by their tribe of their ancestors, were not counted. And this, my folks, is from the Bob Midbar, and that's uh, from the Torah. But if you're using your Bible at home, this would be Numbers in the book of Numbers, okay? The Levites weren't soldiers. They were priests and musicians, caretakers of the Mishkin, the sacred space at the center of the camp. The soldiers went out to conquer the many, but the Levites connected to the one. And in the one, there's nothing to count. There is only one. The trick is for these two sides, the internal and the external, to be in balance, to express our inwardness through the external wilderness of life. But this takes practice. It's not small, or excuse me, it's no small thing. Staying connected to the holiness of this moment while running after the garbage truck. This is the path of Yod, the hand, that represents the world of action, but also the tiny point, which represents the ultimate simplicity of pure awareness, simply perceiving what is. Think more, think less. The message of Yod is don't think so much, think less, perceive more. And yet we often hear the message that we should think more, that mistakes can be avoided if we thoroughly think through things. So which is it? Should we think more or think less? Lift the head, take a head count of the whole community of the children of Israel by the families of the houses of their fathers, counting the names of every male head by head. And again, that's from Bab Midbar in the Torah and the book of Numbers, if you're using your Bible at home. Hidden within this narrative about taking a census of the soldiers, there is a wisdom for harmonizing the contradictory advice to think more and yet think less. 
lift the head. This Fred, excuse me, Fred, phrase is an idiom for taking a census. But the deeper implication is that before going out to do battle with the challenges of life, we must lift our head. That is, elevate our perspective to see our situation as clearly as we can which means transcending and getting free from whatever thoughts and feelings in which we might be entangled. This is thinking less, the path of Yod, of simple presence and trust. But from this elevated place of not thinking, we can then enter into a process of conscious thinking so that we may discern the right path of action to take. How? All the assembly of the children of Israel Israel means Sarita El, striving or wrestling with the divine. It describes the spiritual path of acting with conscious intention. What is my purpose in doing such and such? What am I trying to accomplish? Through questioning ourselves, we can avoid the unconscious tendency to act automatically without really considering what we are trying to do. Self-inquiry cuts through that unconsciousness and brings forth our power of decision. It doesn't guarantee that we will succeed, but if we don't question ourselves, we are almost certain to fail. Once we get clear on our kavana, our intention, then we can choose to act in alignment with our intention and move on to the next step. By their families. Family consists of those close to us, those we for whom we are responsible and those who are responsible for us. At this point, we can ask, how will this action affect people? People doesn't necessarily mean other people. We also need to consider how things will affect ourselves. For example, we might consider looking at the news or social media. We might determine that our intention is good, that we are trying to be informed and connected to the world, but then we ask, how will this affect people? To a certain point, there may be no ill effect, but beyond that point, if exposing ourselves to news and social media creates negativity and anxiety, that would be a consideration. Plus, in that state of negativity, we might express or even project that negativity onto others. This brings us to the final question. Uh, but, but let me pause right there. How, how many of you are affected like he was just saying here in this article? Or raise your hand. I mean, I'm raising mine. I mean, if you get up, first thing you do is get on your phone and you're flipping through social media, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Instagram, the local news, regional news, national news, world news. Um, you're being bombarded, literally, from the... the the word go, you, you know, as soon as you open up your eyes and resume consciousness in this life, you're being bombarded. And this is not the way to start your day. It generally, 99.9% .9 is all negative and it gets you into a bad mood, even if it's just the weather. You know, it, it, what if the weather conditions are going to be something that you don't like? Thunderstorms. I just had my hair done. I've got to go out in this rain or I've got to go to work and I'm going to be drenched and, you know, high winds. So an umbrella is not going to work. And, you know, you can just go on and you see how this affects you, affects you. And then what's going to happen? 
Remember, you're a mirror. You're a lighthouse. Whatever you're projecting is going to other people. You are filling up with all this negativity. And sure enough, as soon as someone cuts you off in traffic or does something wrong that you feel wrong towards you, it's going to trigger you. It's going to cause you to snap and you're going to lose it. And then you're going to express and exhume a negativity. That negativity is going to just pour out of you. And who's it pouring to? Bless them, you know? You could say, well, it's somebody that deserved it. Nobody, nobody deserves your rage. You have a right to be angry at a situation, but you have no right to take that out on somebody else. And all too often we see that so much in society today that if someone's having a bad day or going through a bad time, what do they do? They take it out on so many people. Those of you who work in retail know this. Those of you who work in the hospitality industry know this. You know, every day people are just coming in and just dumping, literally dumping their garbage all over you. Yeah, I could have said something else, but I'm trying to keep it G-rated. Um, and that's not how we should be. We have a choice. And that is what this article is pointing out to us. And I'm sure you have never read this passage or these passages in your Bible and deciphered them the way this is deciphering it for us. So again, back to the article. And again, this is from Numbers, folks, Numbers 14, if not a little bit before 14. This brings us to the final question. By the number of names, every male head by head. Once we name both what our purpose is and what the effects will be with regard to a particular decision, we have to number it. We have to ask, is it really worth it? In other words, if our intention is good, but some of the consequences may not be so good, we need to ask which counts more. We need to evaluate and decide. Again, this is no guarantee that we will make the right choice, but if we don't evaluate and decide, it is likely we will make the wrong choice. And if, after careful thinking the situation through, we do not, or excuse me, we do end up making the wrong choice, this too has goodness to it because we will learn from it. This two-part process of lifting the head, that is the stripping away of thought followed by numbering of names, that is careful evaluation of purpose and learning from experience, is represented by the path of Yod, which is simplicity and trust and the path of Hamid, which has to do with thought and learning. Both letters are the active expressions of dual sephirat, of the mind, hakamah, wisdom, awareness, and bana, understanding, focused thought. Seen in this way, there is no contradiction in the advice to think more or think less. They are two parts of one process. The ability to engage in the process of Yad and Hamid in real time, however, takes training and practice. We need to engage in meditation and contemplation in the space of regular avoda, daily practice, if we want the paths to be available to us in the flow of life. Contemplation, meditation and contemplation. How are you with your contemplation and meditation? Do you contemplate and meditate on a Bible passage or a phrase or a line every day, at least once a day? Would you like to be part of a free community 
that is loving unconditionally, regardless of what your faith is or isn't, that can support you in doing this daily, stay tuned. Here's some information. In today's internet world, there are so many choices and so many things on the internet that uh, lure you into extending or working on or enhancing your faith. And most of them charge you for it. How about an absolutely free way and a free group that will love you unconditionally, no matter what your faith is or isn't, what your beliefs are or aren't. And again, did I mention free, absolutely free? Well, look no further. Check out the Oblates of Perpetual Light. I happen to be, just happen <laughs> to be the director of the Oblates of Perpetual Light. And I would love to have you check us out and become a member. Again, it's absolutely free of charge. Check us out at oblatespl.wixsite.com slash oblates-pl or you can email me directly at oblates.pl at gmail.com. There'll be links in the show description to get to those web addresses. So you say, what are the Oblates of Perpetual Light? Well, it's the first of its kind. We are a very first group of Oblates to fully utilize the internet to organize and communicate. This allows everyone and anyone to join from all over the world. The Oblates of Perpetual Light are inclusive, meaning everyone is welcome, regardless of beliefs, faith, identification, gender, sexual preference, etc. We are independent, meaning that we are not affiliated with any church other than being connected to the faith and more ministries. And we are trans-denominational. We are not affiliated with any one religion. Although our structure is very Benedictine, our oblate director, hello, can easily assist you with adjusting to your faith no matter what it is or isn't. We greatly respect the beliefs and freedoms of all others. We all are children of the universe. Only four things are required to be an oblate of perpetual life. First is to study and contemplate some sacred text of your faith at least once a day. It can be anything, any size, even a sentence or a word. It's imperative that an oblate pray sometime during the day. That's the second one is prayer. Again, it's up to us to choose when, where, and for how long. Number three is oblates will gather together online, typically on Zoom at least once a month. And that's usually the last Sunday of every month, if not the second to last Sunday. And it's not required. These are things as far as the meeting goes. If you can attend, that's great because you get to not only talk to, but you get to see your fellow oblates. And the fourth requirement is love and respect all members, regardless of their faith. We are here as a group, not just individuals. Every faith, belief, view, etc., will be respected. Bullying, hate, attacks, etc., will not be tolerated. So you are absolutely and completely safe. If this sounds like something you would be interested in, please check out the website. Again, a link will be in the show description or email me directly at oblates.pl at gmail.com. So we'll return to the article, excuse me, Yonkel the Lazy. Yonkel wasn't inclined to do physical exercise, but as he got older, he realized that he had better take care of his body. Haven't we all been there before? Amen. Or he would be in trouble. So he hired a personal trainer to motivate him out of his sloth and get him to work out. The personal trainer began coming to his house every day. First, she taught him the exercises that would be best for him. But when it came to actually doing them, Yonkel was so lazy 
that the trainer would have to yell cheers to get him to exert himself. Come on, you can do it. She would shout, that's seven, just three more to go. Do it. Over time, Yonkel's resistance seemed to drop away, and it became easier and easier for the trainer to motivate him. After several weeks, the trainer didn't have to do anything except come over and make sure Yonkel was working out simply by witnessing him. Yonkel even shouted out his motivational cheers. I can do it. One, two, just seven more to go. Getting stronger. Three. Eventually, the trainer didn't even come inside, but just listened at the door. She would hear Yonkel yelling to himself, getting stronger and stronger. I can do it. Five, six, four more to go. When she would hear him yelling through the door, she would leave, satisfied that he had established his workout habits. But when they had a meeting after several months to evaluate and adjust his routine, she noticed that he didn't look like he was exercising at all. He was just as unfit looking as he had been before they began. How strange. I hear you working out every day, but it seems to not be working. Oh, I haven't been working out, said Yonkel. But I come by every day and hear you, said the trainer. Oh, that's just me yelling, not actually working out. I figured if you heard me yelling, you would think I was working out and leave me alone. Overcoming the difficulties of establishing a daily habit, excuse me, habit of avado or avoda, excuse me, which is spiritual practice is crucial, but it is not enough. Many are able to break through the initial inertia of establishing a habit, but their practice is just like Yonkel's, perhaps going through the motions, saying the words and so on, but nothing is really happening. It's not that the forms are irrelevant. The cheers and the counting of reps can be good accompaniment to practice and even an expression of practice, but they're not the practice itself. As long as the forms are helping you do the real interactivity of the practice, they are doing their job. But if they become a substitute for inner reality, then you miss the mark. And this is absolutely on par, on the mark, you know, a goal. Uh, I'm telling you, folks, I mean, we all have gone through times in our faiths where we're, say, doing the Holy Rosary once a day, or we're doing the um, Divine Mercy Chapel between the hours of three and four every day. But how many of us are actually praying that? I mean, feeling that as we pray, feeling that connection to the divine, to the universe, Adonai, uh, Hashem, the great mother, the universe, the all that is, whatever you want to call it. How many of us are actually feeling and how many of us are just going through the paces just to do it? There's a huge difference as we just had an example here with the uncle. There's a huge difference of calling out numbers and like you're exercising and exercising itself. The same applies to our prayer practice. There's a huge difference between going through the motions and actually taking the time to make the connection and feel because that actually is the purpose of the prayer is to connect with the divine, to commune with the divine. Who cares what you're saying? You could just be babbling. And there are great, amazing Jewish prayers that are almost like scatting, where you're just mumbling. You're just saying it's it's not speaking in tongues, but kind of like speaking in tongues where you're just saying random words, but it's you are connecting through your heart. That's where the focus is, is in the feeling, not the wording. And I think that's something a lot of us have 
been swayed from because of our upbringing and our conditioning from our various religions is the importance of saying this prayer for this and that prayer for that is that we, the feeling has been taken out of it. And that's tragic because when you take the meaning and the feeling out of the prayer, it's just words. It really is. You're just going through the motions. Like Yonkel, you're just yelling out, calling out words. It's It really has no meaning. So it's very, very important for us to to bring into focus, to take a few moments, to do some breathing work, even if it's just three deep ex- inhales and exhales, to just focus and bring our our mind to our heart. Leave all the other garbage outside and just focus on our communion with the divine. And again, if you would like to be part of a community, and I'm not going to play the infomercial again, check out the Oblates of Perpetual Light. We can help you with that. And it's absolutely free, free, folks. Absolutely. It is understandable that the forms of practice, how many times per day, what text to chant and so on, could easily eclipse the inner reality of practice because form is quantifiable. You can easily define how to fulfill a practice in form. It is not as easy to define connection with the timeless, with the uncountable. But again, this doesn't mean that form is irrelevant. The form is vital as long as we are relating to it properly. As long as we are using the quantifiable form as a portal into the eternal. In fact, there are even some forms that we can take with us when the safety of our avoda is over to help us stay connected, even as we run after the garbage trucks of the world. The mitzvah and the zizi. And mitzvah is a Hebrew word for law, light, and zizi are the tassels that men wear on their clothes who are Jewish. Um, There's four of them that hang from the four corners of their undergarment and they're specially knotted ritual fringes french excuse me fringes or tassels um and it means that uh, the divine is it's a representation and of course they're absolutely holy and blessed but it means that the divine is in everything everywhere the four corners of the world so each one of the zizis excuse me if i'm not pronouncing that right um represent the four corners of the world and the divine being part of that so when i am meditating or chanting i feel so deeply connected and i have no problem being my highest self but when stressful things in life push my buttons all of what is that is out the window how do I maintain my spiritual connection in those moments? Wow, isn't it like a half-million-dollar question there? This is a question that often comes up after you have had some success with your practice. Before that success, you might be still looking for some experiential connection. But after you discover what you're searching for, the problem is even deeper. How do you keep the connection? The simple answer, of course, is practice. You have to practice keeping that connection in different life situations, and you will get better and better at it. But that doesn't help much because when you are in a stressful or triggering situations, two things happen. 
First, you don't care anymore about your spiritual connection because you are triggered. You go into a fight or flight mode. Second, even if you would care about practicing in that moment, you probably can't remember to practice because you are triggered. Your emotions have taken over. So if you are going to actually practice in those triggering situations, you need a strategy for those two problems. You need to, first of all, remember to practice. And second of all, you need to be motivated to practice. And we've talked about this in quite a bit in the past two shows about pausing, pausing. You have an opportunity. Remember, regardless of what is going on in your life, whatever is happening to you, you have the power to pause before you react. Don't be reactive. You know, that whole thing of, you know, us being triggered and us just fight or flight, that's being reactive. And we need to be proactive, meaning that we need to think before we act. If you can pause for just a second and see the situation for what it truly is. Remember, we've talked about this quite a bit in the past several episodes. If you haven't heard those episodes, please go back and check them out. They are absolutely essential. You can start with what episode nine folks help me out here episode nine of this season and go forward or even before that. I mean, just listen to all the episodes. <laughs> I know be realistic, right? But I hope you get what I'm, what I'm pointing out here is that we have that split second or even not even second to pause before we react. Don't go on autopilot. Don't let your emotions take over because that is going to destroy everything. How long does it take someone to build up a good reputation? A long time, right? I mean, those of you who have a good reputation, whether it be in life, uh, you know, outside of work or inside of work or both, how long did it take you to, to get that, to develop that, to grow that? A long time. But how fast can you destroy that? It can be destroyed by one action, one action. You can destroy everything you've worked so hard to create in a matter of seconds. That's how destructive our emotions can be, our anger can be, that reaction can be. Don't allow that. Don't be that person at the supermarket or at the store or at the hotel that's just screaming at the top of their lungs at the poor, the poor employee that's doing their best to help you, even though you don't feel they are, and you're upset with the situation. You, know, you don't like the price of the product and what it said on the shelf was something else, or you couldn't find this, or your room was dirty, or don't. Don't. It's so easy to go that way in all of that anger, all of that rage. Again, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. That's natural. But no one, absolutely no one deserves your rage. Okay, let's continue with the article. So there are many mitzvot, so rules or laws, which function as a solution to this problem. Let's look at one. 
speak to the children of Israel and instruct them to make for themselves fringes on the corners of their garments throughout the ages. Let them attach a cord of blue to the fringe of each corner. That's these zitzit. It shall be for you, zitzit. Look at it and recall all the mitzvot of the divine and do them so that you do not wonder after your heart and your eyes that you become distracted. So that you shall remember to do all my mitzvot and be holy to your divinity. I am existence, your divinity, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am being your divinity. So the purpose of the tzitzit, the ritual fringes traditionally worn on the corners of one's garments, is exactly what we're talking about. They are physical reminders on your body to dedicate your actions to the divine and avoid getting caught in distractions that take you away from that intention. Another purpose of the tzitzit is to remind you to do other mitzvah, to, the, excuse me, the particular spiritual practices of Judaism, both ritual and ethical throughout your days. Okay, so this is just amazing. This is such a great method. And I'm not telling you all to run out and buy zitzits and wear them. Um, if you want to, go for it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm pointing at here is it's so important to have some kind of physical reminder on you to when you start to lose it or you feel that energy and those emotions welling up in you, you have something visibly on you that you can look at that will cause you to pause, connect with the divine, see the situation for what it is, and then react accordingly instead of from anger or rage or whatever crazy emotions. I've talked about this before in other podcasts back in season four and season three. As those of you who are old enough to remember is the what would Jesus do bracelets, the WWJD bracelets, stuff like that. I have over the course, I've had different rings. I wore a ring for the longest time that said, um, you know, you are a priest forever. And that always reminded me as well. Now I have a ring that has Yahweh written in Hebrew on it. And anytime I look at that, it reminds me that not only I, me, but everyone is the divine. Everyone that you're interacting with, everyone that you're yelling at, that you're being aggressive to, and those that are being aggressive to you are the divine. So seeing it in that light, how do you react? We're going to have a future show on that. And it's important that, you know, how you react is extremely important. But it doesn't make you a doormat where you just take someone's abuse. We'll, we'll cover that in a, a soon-to-be show. Um, but just for now, it's important that you have something on you to snap you out of that um, reactive mode, that, you know, that knee-jerk autopilot. It's so important, the habit of just responding out of just your conditioning. It's so very important. Um, when you're doing therapy with people 
and things of that nature, helping them to get through uh, destructive emotions and things. People, you know, we all have issues with our emotions, especially with anger uh, from time to time. Um, but some people have a lot of issues with just reactive um, anger. They're like a volcano. It doesn't take much or a, a um, stick of dynamite. It doesn't take much to set them off. They have a very short fuse. Um, so it's important that, you know, when you are working with somebody, say through um, um, life coaching, um, we are trained to teach people how to kind of get a grasp of themselves. So what we usually do is teach people to pick a place like on your hand or, um, you know, yeah, like on your hand or your wrist or something like that, that you can squeeze, you know, when you feel that emotion coming up, just squeeze that spot. Always practice that. Squeeze that spot, squeeze that spot, squeeze that spot. And when you do, it brings your mind in your heart into awareness of what's going on and it take it turns the autopilot off. I mean, give it a try. It really does work. Just pick a spot on your hand. If you're stressed, squeeze that spot, squeeze that spot. Anxiety, squeeze that spot, squeeze that spot. And calm, breathe, squeeze that spot. Um, yeah, no, it sounds like a rap song or something, right? I guess I could make a song out of that. <laughs> but I, I pray you get what I'm saying here. It's it, of the importance of having something that you can do or see that will snap you out of that reactive, uh, volcanic, explosive um, way. So you don't. So you do that pause by that squeeze or that seeing that ring or bracelet or whatever it is that you're wearing or necklace. You could just reach up if you wear a crucifix or cross. Just reach up and touch it. Touch it. Just touch it. And know that connection. Feel that connection. There you go. Feel. Feel that connection with the divine. How would the divine react in this situation? And act accordingly, not emotionally. Okay, let's continue with the article. This brings us to the second problem. How do you keep yourself motivated? Let's take a particular mitzvah and see how this can work. There is a daily mitzvah to chant these words as part of the Shema. It goes, you shall love existence, your divinity, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's from Devarim in the Torah and Deuteronomy in your Bible. These words are an expression of commitment. For the sake of clarity, let's rephrase this to express this commitment more explicitly. You might say, I commit to serving the divine in everything I do. If you say this commitment every day or use the traditional words, but understand them and mean them as a commitment, then you are adding tremendous power to your intention to practice in difficult moments. Why? Because even when you don't care about spirituality, a moment of being triggered, you have made a commitment and you can rely on that commitment. You don't have to care. You just have to honor your commitment. The actual saying out loud of a commitment will give tremendous power to your intention, even in the most difficult moments. And how many of us have issues with commitment? Today's day and age, so many people have issues with commitment. How about you? How are you in your faith? Are you committed to the divine? Are you committed to your God? To your Adonai, 
to your Hashem, to your great mother, to the universe. Again, whatever you want to label that, which is beyond labels, to your I am, that is I am, that is all. This is importance here. Because if you're not committed, then what's the use, really? You know? Yes, it does good. It is good. But the whole purpose of faith is to deepen that connection with what you are and what everyone is. So this is absolutely amazing. And I so love that this is pointing out the hidden, inner, true, capital T-R-U-E, true meaning of the biblical words and phrases. So, but now you still have to remember your commitment. That's where the zitzi come in. See, as we were saying, you need to have some kind of reminder that works for you all day long so that your chances of remembering in those difficult moments are increased thousandfold. Of course, just wearing a zitzi is not enough. You have to train yourself to be reminded of your intention by them. For example, make it a practice to say your commitment over and over again every time you look down and see them. See, and that can go for anything you choose, anything you choose to represent the divine, to, to trigger that connection to the divine and to shut off that autopilot. It's instinctively shut it off. And I would love to hear from all of you. Give it some thought. What If you haven't already chosen something and are doing something similar to this, give it some thought and put it into practice. Let me know what you use to stop the autopilot and to focus on the divine and how the divine would react. And that way we can, and I can say your name. I don't have to say your name. Just let me know when you, when you contact me. I would love to share that with everybody, especially like in an upcoming cafe or something like that. That way it can inspire others and give others ideas. Just don't take my ideas. I mean, if you do, great. But what, what, are you, what can you think of? What can you think of that can trigger, you can use as a positive trigger to connect you with the divine? Let me know. And as he's saying here in the article, too, it's not just the thing to have the trigger. It's to say the commitment every time you you have this on you, you know, this crucifix, this cross, this ring, this bracelet, this um, the tzitzit, what, whatever, whatever it is that you choose, this pressure point or place on your hand that you squeeze. Again, associate that with your commitment. And that brings that connection. That brings the light and that brings the divine into you. You will course with the power and light of the divine. And you will know, and you will especially feel that you are not alone, that the divine is in you and powering through you in that situation. So no matter what is happening, you can turn it into something better than what's being presented to you. So let's continue with the article. Of course, as any reminder could work, though there is a power in using traditional forms in that they connect you to the support of the lineage. But whatever form you use, the key is to verbally say your intention out loud 
every day and then have something to remind you throughout the day. This is the inner function of chanting Shema, which are prayers, and the Havata and wearing the Zitzi. This is what it is. It's, it's making a habit. It's creating a habit. It's creating a routine. And it's what it will do is take the place of those instinctual conditioned reactive habits that are not good for us or for anyone. There are two other physical mitzvot mentioned in the Vahavata, which have a similar function. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol between your eyes. Inscribe them on the doorsteps of your house and your gates. This is the practice of tefillin and mezuzah, binding tiny scrolls of Torah passages on the body during avoda, so that your you physically feel your intention on your body and affixing a scroll on your doorpost in the home so that you see and touch your intention as you move through different spaces. And folks, just reading that right now, I got the spirit bumps. <laughs> Let me explain. I've recently purchased a few mezuzahs. <laughs> mezuzahs are these little cylinder things that um, usually have a holy inscription on the outside, which is the container. And then it has a rolled up uh, scroll uh, with blessings from the Torah inside it. Now, I have a necklace coming, um, and I also have one for uh, the home, and I also have one for the car coming. And I don't know any of you who have watched the show The Chosen or the series The Chosen. If you haven't, please go check that out, regardless of your faith. It is a truly beyond amazing series, and you can watch it absolutely free on YouTube or through the Chosen app. I will see if I can have a, put a link in the show notes for that if I can remember. But anyway, those of you who have been watching the Chosen have noticed in this last season, season three, every time Jesus goes to a house, he kisses his hand and touches the frame of the house before he goes in. This is where the mezuzahs come in. The mezuzah has that scroll, that blessed scroll in it. So when you touch that, it is blessing you, the home, everything. Just like when you wear a mezuzah necklace. And I will put a link to where I got mine from. Well, when it gets here, it's coming from Israel. Um, I will put a link to that in this episode so you can go and order one if you would like. Um, but again, you can do the same thing. What was I saying? With your crucifix, with your cross. You don't have to use a mezuzah or Teflon, or anything like that. But it's good. It's it's something new, something different, something that if you wear a crucifix or a cross, how long have you been wearing that? And how used to it are you? Do you mentally know that it's on you? See, this is important because when you are thrown into a situation with hungry wolves, do you realize that you have wolf repellent on your belt? or around your neck, or on your wrist, or on your hand. If you don't remember this, then guess what? You get eaten by the, <laughs> the wolves. You will be just triggered, and you will lose your beep, <laughs> and just go full throttle into rage, 
like the Incredible Hulk and just take people out and not care. And that's what this is all about stopping. So we continue. The idol of form. The key with these ritual practices is always is to use the outer forms to point to the inner reality. Otherwise, there is a danger that the practices become a kind of idol tree, a means for the ego to prop up itself as an image of being religious, rather than the form pointing to the eternal beyond the world of the mind and counting. It simply points to us back into the world of counting of statues, or excuse me, status and self-image. So as it's saying here, it's so important that if you get a ring or a bracelet or a necklace, that it's not something that you're flaunting. It's a tool for you to remember what is in you and what is in everyone and everything. Because remember, you just aren't the divine. You weren't just created by the divine. Everyone and literally everything is not only created by the divine, but is the divine. It's a representation of the divine. Your, your eyes and hands are representations of the divine. Do you use them as such? Good question. There is a hint of this in the half Torah of the Pasha. This portion of Hosea, or excuse me, from Hosea, talks about how the children of Israel have strayed from the divine and run after idols. The Balalim, excuse me, Balaam, yeah, I guess. Israel is compared to a harlot, an unfaithful wife, running after other lovers. Why does she do this? I will go after many lovers, for they will give me my bread and water, my wool and linen, my oil and my drink. In other words, the children of Israel aren't satisfied. They want to count more rather than appreciate what is present. They run after that which is not present. They imagine they can achieve more gratification. Pursue her lovers as she will. She shall not overtake them and seek them as she may. She shall never find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then I fared better than now. Eventually, Israel realizes that the obsession with counting, with more, also called idolatry, uh, worshiping idols, only causes her suffering. And so she comes to appreciate the gift she had and thereby returns to the true connection with the divine. Then the number of children of Israel shall be like the sands of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. They shall be called children of the living presence. And that's from Hosea 2.1. The hint here is that on a deep and yet practical level, idolatry really means to fixate on that which is not present. It means to elevate the images we engrave in our minds above the actual reality right in front of us. The idol is that which is not present. The true divine is presence. And those of you who are Roman Catholic can certainly relate to this. How many times have, has pe have people accused you of worshiping Mary? Do you worship Mary? It can easily be done. Or do you see the divine, the great mother of the divine, in your praise, prayers, to Mary. Do you see her as an interceder, um, someone who helps you, 
someone who is part of the divine, mother of the divine, creator of the divine, that can help you in any given situation? Or do you just worship the statue that you have on your altar or the statue you have in your car, you know, the little statuette in your car or your rosary with, with her on it. You know, again, this goes for any faith and or religion or anything that's even not religion. You can make idols out of anything. Even if you don't have any faith, you can worship anything. You can worship money. You can worship cars. You can worship influence. You can worship your job. You can worship. I mean, it just goes, the list goes on and on and on. Again, back to the article, return. Of course, there is nothing wrong with imagining what we need or want in the future. That's the job of the mind. We have to count and quantify. We have to make maps of the world in order to navigate life. The point is not to elevate the map over the territory. The point is not to live in your mind, but to live in the living present. I'm going to say that again. The point is not to live in your mind, but to live in the living present. How many of us are guilty of living in our minds? I'm raising my hand. And fortunately, no matter how lost in our minds we become, and no matter how caught up in the external urgencies and garbage trucks of the world we become, the present moment has not gone anywhere. It's always here, open to our return. To our Shahuva. I think I said that right. There is a story of the Shafetz Shahim that he once had a student who was sunk in crushingly oppressive poverty. The student would often implore his master to pray on his behalf and promised that if his prayers were answered and he were to become wealthy, he would give abundant charity to those in need. The Shafetz Shahim would just listen compassionately and nod. Years later, after the student had moved away to the city, he had indeed become exceedingly wealthy. The Shofetz Shahim went to visit him and asked, So, how are things? Very well, thank God, said the formal student. I've been blessed with many riches. And how has your Zedka been going? Which is charity. The rich former student turned red, embarrassed that he had forgotten his promise. In fact, as his riches grew more and more, his stinginess had grown as well. You know, said Shofetz Shahim, the more successful you are in your external battles, stronger your Yetzahara, your lust for external also becomes. In that moment, his delusion was broken, and he returned fully to the inner path that his heart had abandoned. He dedicated his wealth to service and became a fountain of relief for many who suffered in poverty. I so love these stories. I really do. Whether they're real or not, the moral and the, the meaning is so strong and so powerful, you know, I just can't, I can't say enough about them, you know, and I think this is just so, so self-explanatory. I don't need to expand on it anymore is that it's important, important, important. We focus on the internal 
yes, there's got to be a balance between internal and external. We have to function in the world, but don't let the world be your ruler. You know, you've got to be your your main primary goal is to be connected with the divine, to receive the light, to be that lighthouse, that beacon of light, that mirror that just shines the light to all beings. And we've talked extensively about this many shows and we always will, but I'm not, I'm not going to continue here. But anyway, we continue with the article. The ecstatic and the still. Rabbi Israel of Brisin said that when he was learning with a great Majid, Rabbi Dov Bear of Mezrik, I've heard of this one, this rabbi, all the disciples learned the master's teachings, except one, Reb Zushia. This is because when Majid would begin to expound in the verse of Torah, so many of the verses began like this, Bahabir Hashem, the divine spoke, Whenever Reb Zushia would hear these words, he would go into a fit of seizures. Hashem spoke. Hashem spoke. He would scream, and they would have to take him out into the shed until the teaching was over. But Rabbi Israel would add, that's okay, because even one word spoken in the truth and received in truth is enough. Right now and always, the divine is speaking. The words aren't necessarily conveying a conceptual message. Even one word spoken in truth and received in truth is enough. Meaning, when we take the path of Yod, when we become simple and receive the fullness of this moment in simplicity and trust, then reality itself can be received as divine speech which we receive the present moment in this way. It is deeply liberating, shaking us from the dead maps of the mind and to the living present. For some, realizing this may cause convulsions of ecstasy, but not for everyone. A disciple asked Reb Penas of Quiritz, why is it that you are so calm and still when you pray? Unlike so many other who thrash about in ecstatic convulsions. Reb Pinas replied, You know, the essence of prayer is attachment to the divine, and this involves the death of the separate self. There are two kinds of death. One kind is as difficult as pulling a rope through a mast, and the other is as easy as removing an eyelash from a glass of milk. It is the second kind that I was granted. As we come to the end of the annual ritual of counting the 49 days of the Omer, may we use the quantifying mind wisely to express our praise, gratitude, and ultimate unity with the eternal within the world of time. Good Shabbos. So that, my dear brothers and sisters, is the article. Wow, 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 wowsy, wow, wow. Wowsy woo-woo, said Schlepprock from Flintstones. If you're old enough to remember what that is. If not, look it up on Tubi. They've got the Flintstones on there now. <laughs> I know what's that got to do with anything. It doesn't. It's just, well, whatever. Just sharing. Um, or as my wife says, just saying. <laughs> so anyway, folks, uh, I so hope and pray you all have enjoyed this show and have really soaked in it. If not, go back and listen to this show as many times as you want. Download it. 
You can download it from our website, you can, which is information coming up on that. You can download it from your favorite podcasts like uh, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, Podcast Guru is what I use all the time. You can download it through there. That way you've got the show with you anytime, anywhere, and you don't need to use Internet or your data to access it, which is important to many of us on restricted data. Uh, so, you know, listen to it. Give it some thought. You know, just bathe in it. Literally soak in this episode. And please, please, please share with me what your thoughts are about having some kind of something on you, wearing something, some kind of symbol, or like I said, a pressure point, or something that you can make that commitment to the divine. Make it up yourself. You don't have to use the words from the Bible or the words from this um, uh, this article. Use whatever you want. Use whatever makes your connection with divine because all of us are different even though we're 99.9 percent .9 the same as far as dna there's that 0.1 percent that is the divine that is unique and that's how the divine created you and created everyone and everything is we are each unique in our own ways so what works for some doesn't work for others that's why i want you all when you get a moment to please write me you can either write me through the website or you can write me at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com and let me know what your technique is. What trigger have you purchased or created and how is it working for you? That would be awesome. I would love to hear it. And no doubt me sharing that with others will help them as well. Because I can't think of everything, folks, nor do I or would I ever try. So, family, I'm calling out to all of our brothers and sisters. That's you listening right now. Take some time. Think this over. If you're already doing this, email me. Contact me. Let me know what you're doing and how it works for you so we can help others together. Bless you. Prayer requests and updates are as follows. Prayers for Terry, Denise, uh, Nicholas. I don't have any more updates on Nicholas other than there are no hospitals wanting to try to treat the uh, failing valve in his transplanted heart. Um, so nothing new there. Haley, who has terminal ovarian cancer, um, Due to friends and family, they were able to get together and make it possible for Haley and her family to go to the Bahamas. It's a place that's on her bucket list. She's always wanted to go. And she, although it was a very short trip, she had a wonderful time and met a lot of people who knew about her through her TikTok. And um, it was just an amazing, amazing time. And she's growing weaker and weaker uh, every moment of every day, and her husband Taylor said that this probably will be the last trip that she'll have the strength to go on. So again, she is hanging there. So please keep Haley, her husband Taylor, and four-year-old son Weston in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Maudie, uh, last I had heard from Marty, uh, excuse me, Maudie with her heart transplant. She's doing um, Okay, she's recovering still, which takes a very long time, but, um, you know, the bills are stacking and 
her insurance dropped her. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. Stephanie, also Sarah and Kia. Uh, Elaine, Bob had to have more basal cells removed from his back. Uh, from what Elaine said, they had to go down three layers of skin um, and remove uh, this, there's three layers of skin. And I would imagine, especially that being on the back, it is extremely painful. Uh, so let us please keep Bob in your heart, thoughts, and prayers that his cancer goes and stays gone and that he stays in remission for the rest of his days. Also, please play, pray for Clyde. Lana had a really bad week last week. She's doing better this week. Uh, from what I understand, her daughter, Megan, is having a lot of issues. I mean, folks, she really, really, really needs our prayers and uh, any positive energy we can send her way. Um, she's actually distanced herself from me, so she is no longer communicating with me. So that tells you the darkness that she is going through or just a little bit of the darkness that she's going through. Please also keep her daughters, Molly and Gwen, in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Also prayers for Octavia. Trish, Chad, and their family, Brother Ashley and his family, Brother Abel, uh, Mike S. and Kelly, uh, Michael W., Tanya, Cheryl, Elijah, his grandmother Janet, husband Andrew, Father Mike has been having so many uh, trials, tribulations, challenges, hard times uh, with health and finances. Please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Uh, his husband, Eddie, Eddie's mom, Becky. Uh, who is still in the hospital. She's in the hospital for weeks and gets out for a couple of days and ends up having to go back in. Uh, she has a really bad uh, staph infection right now that they are trying desperately to treat. So please keep them in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Also, Emma, Jean, uh, Kathy is back in the hospital again. Hopefully she gets to come home soon. Um, she was severely dehydrated and she has a hernia on top of Everything else. And Kathy, um, those of you who have listened to the show for a long time, though she's been in our prayer request for a long time, Kathy's body just pretty much rejects everything in her body, all of her organs, and she's always got issues. And she's a cancer survivor on top of that. So please keep Kathy and her husband, Tony, and their family in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Michael T., we just found out uh, that Michael T. and his wife have divorced um, he's still having all kinds of health issues and depression and things of that nature. So please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Kyra, Courtney Moore, Jan, James, and Linda, and Patty Baker. Patty goes for shoulder surgery on the 16th. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers that the surgery is a success and healing is quick. This week's prayer is from the Complete Art Scroll Cedar, the Ashkenaz version. Uh, this is a Jewish prayer book, and I absolutely love it and highly recommend it to everyone and anyone. So let us pray. We gratefully thank you, for it is you who are Hashem, our God, and the God of everyone, the God of all flesh, our molder, the molder of the universe. Blessings and thanks are due your great and holy name, for you have given us life and sustained us. So may you continue to give us life and sustain us and gather our exiles to the courtyards 
of your sanctuary, to observe your decrees, to do your will, and to serve you wholeheartedly. We thank you for inspiring us to thank you. Blessed is the God of thanksgivings. Amen. If you're still listening, it is Secret Time. So the big secret this time is, for the first time in Faith and More history, the book nook, yes, I said book nook, will be in video form. So you'll be able to not only listen here, but you'll also be able to go to our YouTube channel. Be sure to check that out and actually watch this month's episode of the book nook. So again, stay tuned because that's going to happen Wednesday morning at exactly 12 a.m. Eastern time. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for and more here with us. Please stop by anytime, all the time. You're always welcome and you are always family. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. That helps us move up. So when people do a general search, we tend to pop up more than if we didn't. <laughs> and if you really love the show, please share it with as many, many people as possible. And if you really, really enjoyed the show, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show and the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through the Cash App. The show's cash tag is dollar sign faith and more or you can find us at cash.app app slash dollar sign faith and more don't forget about our youtube channel there's lots of great videos there and it gives you more of an immersive experience just go to youtube.com slash at faith and more podcast next is prayers i love to pray and our faith and more family love to pray as well so let us pray for you there's two ways you can do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second is through our website at faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com slash my dash site. There's a form at the bottom of the website to request prayers. And of course, links to all of this information can be found in the show description. Intro and outro music is courtesy of Les FM, L-E-S FM. And the Oblates infomercial music is courtesy of Ivy Music. Links can be found in the show description for both of them. Please check them out and show them some love. So until next time, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.